Thanks again for coming this morning, and I promise you, this is a, none of this is a ploy. We're not doing anything to try, and um, I don't know. We're, there's no foolery. There's no fakishness here. Uh, we genuinely care about you and want you to feel at home and welcome here at Creekside Church. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, I don't... I don't know about you, but one of my least favorite things to do in all of life is to go car shopping. Like, can I get a witness? Like, that's one of my least favorite things to do, not necessarily because I hate making decisions, not because, you know, I'm worried about loans and, you know, financing, all those types of things, or paying cash, whatever it is. I hate car shopping because I really just don't want to deal with car salesmen. Like, you know what I'm talking about? The last couple of times, you know, I think it was about two years ago that we had, you know, we had some car trouble, we needed a new car, and I went to the dealership. Now, let me just go ahead and say this. If, you're, if you are a car salesman or if you work in a car dealership, what I'm about to say is probably going to step on your toes a little bit. I apologize. It's nothing personal. It's just the line of work that you happen to be in. Uh, two years ago, I happened to need a car. We went to a car dealership that shall remain nameless, and... Um, it wasn't long that we were looking around, you know, I was, I was finding my, I was okay by myself and up comes this car salesman. She's got this great, she's got this great news about how I get to meet with the manager, ushers me back and out comes this dude with like jet black hair. He's got it gelled all the way down to the scalp. Like he looks like he could be number two or number three in the mob or the mafia or something like that. Not number one, but maybe two or three, you know, he's like, He's the lower level guy, and he comes up, and immediately he just starts telling me all these great facts about this car. You, you know, it's never been in an accident. We can get you this price right now. It, it's perfect. All these, all these tires are brand new. The CD player works, and, and I'm just sitting there looking at him, and I'm, I'm like, dude, how'd you get your hair like that, first of all? <laughs> and how'd you actually get into this line of work? And, and he keeps on going, and I'm just so, I don't know, it's just something about salesman. There's something about this guy that sends off all kind of red flags for me. And so I just, as all these red flags are up, I I become really defensive and I start interrogating him and asking him, well, how do you know about this? How do you know that the car has never been in an accident? Where did you go to school? How many kids do you have? Tell Tell me about yourself. And he didn't really like that. But as these salesmen comes up, like you just... You just want to know the doggone truth, right? Like, just tell me the truth. I just want to know the truth. Don't give me this fluff. Don't flatter me. Don't tell me all these things that you really don't know. Just tell me the truth. If you're like me, you really want to know the truth, right? I think we're all on this quest. We're all on this journey to know what truth is, to find truth. Like that's one of the main questions that you might be asking this morning. That's one of the main questions that I find myself asking in all of life. Like, what is truth? What is true? And I think now, more so than ever, we live in an era, we live in a time period where everybody wants to know what's real, what's fake. I mean, goodness, we live in the fake news era, right? That's a thing, apparently. That's a a thing that people talk about. Now, younger generations like mine, they won't necessarily call it truth that we're after, that we're looking for. What they might say is that we're looking for authenticity, man. We're looking for something that's authentic. If I had a dime for every time I saw the hashtag liveauthentic, I think I would be able to buy everybody in this room lunch after church today. Like, we all want to know what's real, what's true. 
like what's true, what's authentic. And I think because we're on this quest to find out what's true, that sometimes we blur the lines a little bit in the way that we define what truth is and what truth is not. You see, there's a lot of people in our world today that would say that truth is relative. That what's true for you is true for you, and what's true for me is true for me. And that's just the way that the world works. What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. That's truth. And that's not exactly the way that truth works. Truth is, it's, it's black and white. And you see, whenever we say that truth is relative, that there is no absolute truth, then things happen like we can concoct our own gods, and we can say that there is no one true real God, that there are many gods and there are many way to heaven. Whenever we say that there is no absolute truth, then, then what ends up happening is we say that, no, 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 there's no one definition for marriage. Marriage can be whatever you want it to be. Sexuality, there's no one way to define sexuality. Sexuality can be whatever you want it to be. And sometimes whenever we say that truth is relevant, relative, then we absolutely seem to get it wrong. And our culture is desperate, desperate for truth. And to misquote an old country song, we're looking for truth in all the wrong places. Looking for truth in all the wrong faces. But you see, even in the church sometimes, we get truth wrong. We get what is true, the black and white of it, we get it wrong. And so whenever we talk about this question of spiritual warfare today, as we, as we talk about putting on the armor of God, one of the things that we're going to look at, we're going to talk about, he says, put on the belt of truth. So truth is relevant to the way that we fight sin, and truth is relevant to the way that we fight spiritual warfare. Like, don't miss me on this. Truth is vital to the way that we fight sin. Truth is vital to the way that we fight spiritual warfare. And listen, as Paul is going to go down the list of things that we need to know in Ephesians 6, he says, put on the belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, have the shield and put on the sword of the Spirit. The inverse of these things are so true because if we need a belt of truth, it means that Satan is going to attack us with lies. It means that Satan's going to attack us with bad information, with wrong information. And so if we need truth, let me just go ahead and tell you that one of the ways that Satan attacks me, and if you're honest, the one of the ways that Satan attacks you is by getting you to believe lies, by getting you to believe tricks and foolishness. And so it's important to know the truth because Satan will attack us with lies. What is true? We're going to answer that today. That was that dreadful question that Pilate asked Jesus right before he sent him over to be crucified. What is truth? Not knowing that he stared truth right in the face. Randy Alcorn says that truth is far more than facts. It's not something that we just act upon. It acts upon us. We can't change the truth, but the truth can change us. It sanctifies us, or, or that's a big word that means that it sets us apart. It, it sets us apart from the falsehoods woven into our sinful natures. Truth is reality. It's the way that things really are. Not the way that saying things seem to be, but it's the way that things really are. And the bottom line, if you don't take anything else away from the day, just take this, that the, the bottom line of this is that the truth must be central to our lives in fighting the battles of spiritual warfare. 
And the truth must be central to your life and the battles of spiritual warfare. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me Ephesians chapter 6. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. You can see our Connect table right over there. That's there every week. We want to give you a Bible if you don't have one. But if you don't, you can also use your phone or up on the screen. Uh, Ephesians 6, starting in verse 10. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Remember that. That anybody with skin on their, on their bones, like that's not really what we're wrestling with. That's not our ultimate enemy. They are serving a much higher power and that's our ultimate enemy. That's who the war is up against. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And this is what he says about that. Because of our enemy, because you're in the middle of spiritual warfare, therefore take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. He says stand firm in these things. Stand firm. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to withstand attacks and Like, what he's ultimately saying here is don't be caught off guard. Don't be caught undressed. Like, don't put yourselves in those moments when you're just idle and you're not prepared and you're not ready. You know those mornings whenever you're susceptible to that, whenever you haven't prayed, whenever you haven't spent time in the the Word, you woke up late, you rushed off to work, and you're not on guard. And he says, stand firm because the enemy's coming after you. And so the way that we protect ourselves from this enemy, the way that we protect ourselves from from Satan, from his demons, from all those spiritual forces that are at work in our lives, he says the way that you protect yourself is by putting on the armor of God. And we said last week that the armor of God is not this magical force field. Like there's no seance or there's no prayer charm that you can pray. There's not like a guardian angel that that comes after you and, and is like fighting off demons and wrestling demons or anything like that. The armor of God, whenever we say this, it means growing into Christ, pressing in. And so he says, put on the belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now if you're like me, whenever I read it this week, and, I, and I've read it and known about it in the past, like really? You're going to start with a belt? It's like, okay, the armor of God, you know, he talks it up, he's stand firm, and he says, put on the belt of truth. Okay, like, I, I wouldn't have necessarily started with a belt. Guys, I have a question for you, all the guys in the room. The question is not, how many, the question is not, have you ever forgotten your belt before? But the question is, how many times have you forgotten your belt in the past? Like, that's no way to go. Like, that's no way to live. Things go south. Literally, I'll let that sink in for just a second. Things go south. Like, have you ever tried to do work before without a belt on? Like, I, I don't know about you, but for me, whenever I pack, generally, the, always the thing that I forget is a belt. And it makes me so uncomfortable. Like, it's the most underappreciated article of clothing that's ever been created. But whenever we need it, we really need it. Like, it's ultimately necessary to, to, to just 
having every other piece and every other article of clothing. And so he's saying, put on the belt of truth because the belt of truth is what holds everything else together. That the belt of truth is the first piece, that, that, it, it, fastens the, that it fastens all the other pieces of armor together so that we're able to withstand it. And what he's saying is that everything else and the armor and everything else that we need to fight off spiritual attacks and to fight in spiritual warfare is central to the truth. That what you need to know and what you believe about God and, and the truth about reality, is central to every other piece. What you believe is so, so, so important. And so whenever we talk about the, the belt of truth, whenever we talk about the truth, what we're talking about is, is ultimately God's Word. God's Word is truth. A little bit later on, we're, we're going to see in verse 17 where he says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit which is the Word of God. He says that the Word of God is our offensive weapon that we use to fight off spiritual attacks. That the Word of God is truth. It is a special revelation from God on how we're to live. It's inerrant, like perfect in form. And in this, we see how we're supposed to fight spiritual warfare. And a perfect example of this is Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, you can read this on your own time. I hope that you've heard this story. And if you, ever, if you haven't, go ahead and read it. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is in the wilderness, and he has, he's fasted for like 40 days with, with no food, with nobody around him except Satan. And it's a, a battle. Like it's this, 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 this war in the wilderness, in the desert, where Jesus is all alone, and it says that every single time that Satan tries to attack Jesus, what he does is, is Jesus quotes this scripture, and he, and he says, no, 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 Satan, here's the truth. Ultimately, what he's doing, he's not producing like, like an axe or like a literal weapon. What Jesus is doing by saying the truth is he's, he's, he's exposing falsehoods. And so whenever we quote scripture, it's not like there's this, this magical potion or this magical, like, power to the words. There is power, but what the power of Scripture does is it recalls truth to our minds. And so whenever we're attacked and we're constantly being bombarded with sinfulness, with lies, whenever we say Scripture, whenever we produce Scripture to our minds, what it's doing is it's calling truth to our minds to help us combat lies. So God's Word is true. There is so much power to this book, to this inerrant book where, where truth is in black and white. And whenever we recall the scriptures, whenever we have them written down in our hearts to combat lies, there's so much power that's found in that. So there's truth in the Word of God, but, but here's, also, here's the thing that we need to know about this, and especially about Matthew chapter 4, is that Jesus is not the only one who quoted scripture. Jesus wasn't the only one who knows the Bible. Satan knows Scripture too. I hope that doesn't scare you, but Satan knows Scripture too. He just doesn't quote it accurately. He doesn't quote Scripture. He misquotes Scripture, takes it out of context. And, and I just want to warn you, like as your pastor, as the person that's supposed to be leading you, there are so many people in the world today that are doing the same exact thing with Scripture, 
who are taking it out of context, who are misquoting it, and there are Christians in our world in this area that are just eating it up. Just love it. And so whenever I, I, I talk about this, what, what we're talking about, we're, we're talking about false doctrines. We're talking about heresies. Now, a heresy is any departure from what God actually says. A departure from what, from what Scripture actually says. Now, it won't openly say, it won't openly come out to you as this, as this blatant attack against Scripture, but it's small. It's subtle. Did God actually say some examples of, of false doctrines and heresies today might be known as the prosperity gospel? Where this, there, there are preachers out in our world today that says that God never wants you to be sick, God never wants you to be misfortune, that God never wants you to suffer. It's a direct contradiction to what God says in the scriptures, where God says, you're going to suffer. Where God says that, that things might happen to you, but they're meant and intended for my glory and your good. So there's the prosperity, the go- the prosperity gospel, which is a, a false gospel. There's also a, a universalism where it says that all roads lead to heaven. Again, going back to this, this, this truth that is relative, that whatever you believe is true for you and whatever you believe is true for you. That, that there's this universal way that all religions lead to heaven. That all religions lead to God. There's bits of truth in every religion. And if you just look hard enough, you'll find them. It's a false doctrine and a heresy. Uh, there's this, this false doctrine right now that says that there is no hell. That there's, it's not real. Like it's a myth. It's a thing that we've created. That's old school, uh, the old school backwoods Baptist. That's a false doctrine and a heresy. And we see it directly in Scripture that there is a, a, a place, a dwelling place that exists like apart from God for eternity. And these things, these false doctrines, these heresies, they're found in books. They might be found on TV. They might be found on Facebook. They might be found in songs, literature, whatever it is, it's there. And the only way that you can fight these things off is by knowing what the Bible actually says. 2 Timothy 4, 1-4 says, I share, you, uh, I share you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. This is what the word of God is good for. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming, and the time is now here, when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Well, if you're going to teach whatever you want to teach, you have to find teachers who are going to teach it, right? And they will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Have you guys ever played that game Telephone? You guys know what I'm talking about where you got all the kids in a line and, you know, it starts right here. And you, you might start with a word and then one kid passes it down to this kid and one of this kid. Like that game aggravated me so much whenever I was growing up. And then whenever I got into college, I didn't know that that thing still exists, but they want you to play that game in Spanish these days. But here's what happens with with people who are in false doctrines and, and in heresies, it starts here, and then as it spread down the line, it's like it, the truth just gets a little blurred, and it gets watered down and watered down and misquoted and misquoted. And by the time you get here, by the time you get to the end, the last person, it's like where we started at is not necessarily how we got here. And, and so I just be careful. Be careful what you, lo- what you watch. 
Be careful what you listen to. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you read. And if you would like to, to, to talk further about that, I, I'm open any time to, to talking about uh, who some of these people might be uh, in our world and, and what they might teach, what those uh, false gospels and, and heresies might be. So the Word of God is truth, but not only is the Word of God truth, but Jesus is truth. We just sang about it. And we're quoting Scripture, really, not misquoting Scripture, but quoting Scripture where Jesus says in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Like, it's hard for us to imagine this, this, this concept of truth. Like, it's lofty, it's up in the clouds. But Jesus says about Himself that I am truth. That truth has skin and bones. That truth is perfectly found in the person of Jesus Christ. Like does, that, like, does that help you a little bit? Like, that helps me in the battle of, against spiritual warfare and the battle of, of sins whenever Satan attacks and in those moments of putting on the armor of God that I know that I can find absolute truth and absolute truth is found with skin and bones and it is Jesus Christ. Absolute truth with skin and bones. And you need not look at Jesus with this skeptical eye. You need not look at Jesus and, and say, okay, is he really who he says he is? He is everything that he says he is. Truth embodied, where it's not something like, you know, I'm in the car dealership and I'm looking at this salesman. Okay, are you really telling me the truth? Do you really want what's best for me? In Christ, you don't have to do that. He's perfectly true, perfectly trustworthy. And I'm telling you, you can put 100% of your belief and 100% stock and 100% of your life into this. 100% of yourself into this. So how do we put on the belt of truth? How do we put this on? He says, he says so put on the armor of God. Remember we said that the armor of God is not this force field, but putting on the armor of God is, is pressing in, right? Putting on the armor of God, it's pressing in. And so if we're going to put on truth, if we're going to put on the belt of truth, you have to know the truth. You have to know the truth. You have to know the Word of God. Know the Scriptures here. At Creekside Church, we want to do our very best to teach you how to read the Bible if you don't know how. If the Bible is this foreign concept where uh, where you don't know how to read it, where you're afraid to approach it, that's nothing to be alarmed about or afraid of. You can read the Word of God, and we want to help you however we can. We, we've set up things like this equip class that I was just talking about this Tuesday night where I'm teaching a class on how to eat steak, and it's a silly name, but the, the whole bottom line behind it is that we want to be able to equip you and give you the tools that you need to dive deep into the Scriptures. We have books on our shelves, like, like the very Bible, like the very Word of God, where you can take for free. Books like Divine Mentor, where that book is, is all about just teaching, teaching you a simple way to read the Bible and to break it down into the SOAP method. We want to teach you how to read God's Word, and so that's why we push things like huddles, where guys are with guys and gals with gals, and we sit together and we read the Word of God and we break it open over our lives and we say, okay, Word of God, now highlight areas of my life that are sinful. Highlight areas of my life where Satan is, is producing falsehoods and lies into my heart and into my mind. Show me truth. I need this. Don't skip out on your huddles. 
Don't skip out on your morning devotions with Christ. Immerse yourself deeply with the Bible. But not only do that, but immerse yourself into Christ. Dive deeper into Him. Like set time apart in your day where you're just simply praying and remembering to the Lord. We're just seeking Him. Okay, okay, God, I, I don't even know how to the, the best way to pray is, but here's the best prayer that I can possibly pray. God, will you, will you speak to me? If you want to immerse yourself in truth, immerse yourself in Christ. And the worship thereof. And the worship of Christ. But not only do we know the truth, but we also remember the truth. Remember the truth. Perhaps our biggest problem in all of Christianity and fighting spiritual warfare is not that we don't necessarily know the truth, but we don't remember the truth. And those moments where we're being tempted... And in those moments where Satan is lying to us and it's seeping down into our hearts and into our minds and we don't really know like, what is true, what is lie, what is, what is real, we forget the truth. I can think about times in my life. Maybe it's right before sin, maybe it's right after sin, whatever it is. And I, I believe lies that Satan sold. And I'm not worthy that God is, is incredibly mad at me and that God doesn't want anything to say to me for the next three weeks, like that I need to take time and purify myself before I can actually come to God. I believe lies like, like I'm not worthy to be pastor. believe lies like, like this church plant's never going to make it. I believe lies like, oh, he or she, they're mad at you. I believe what people say about me direct lies from Satan himself and maybe you find yourself just like that and what you need to do this morning is to remember the truth. I want you to, I want you to go somewhere with me, okay? Remembering the truth is a spiritual discipline. Just like praying, just like reading the Bible, remembering and calling our minds to remember is a spiritual discipline. Are you with me? Think about it in times in the Bible, in places like, in places where God calls out his children from Egypt and he sets them, he sets them apart after the ten plagues with Pharaoh and he, he's called them out and, and he says, okay, I want you to set aside tonight, I want you to set aside this place in your calendar, in your year where you make a feast and you sacrifice and you remember what I did for you in Egypt. Remember, and for centuries, like for traditionally, Year after year, they would set apart times in their calendar where they just remembered what God did for them, where they remembered their relationship with God, where they reflected on His blessings, where they reflected on the sacrifice where, where He spared them, reflected on the time where He freed them away from slavery. And it was built into their culture, it was built into the nation, it was built into this DNA of who they were as a country. And then later on in the Psalms, whenever David is in the midst of battle and he's in the midst of warfare, somehow, like he takes time away from the battle, he takes time, he gets alone to himself, and he just reflects and he just remembers. And he thinks back in his mind and he thinks back, no, 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 this is who you said I am in you. He thinks back on, no, 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 there was a time back years and years ago whenever God spared me from my enemy, I will reflect on you and I will bless the name of the Lord. 
We see that in, in the scriptures in places like Psalms 9 and, and Psalm 20, 42, 77, 78, 74, 103, 105. Those are all places in the Psalms where, J, where David just sets, he sets himself apart from everything that's going on in the country. And he writes down these, these Psalms and he just says, I will remember the truth. I will remember the truth. And you see, that's not the only place that we see this. It's not just the Old Testament. It's not just the Old Covenant as we move into the New Testament where Jesus Christ himself says, here is the truth. Uh, here's the truth. Let me just lay it out there for you. And as he's in this upper room with all of his disciples, right before he's sent to be crucified, he shares a meal with his disciples and he says, take this. This is the cup. And whenever you drink of this, I want you to think of me, that this is my blood that was shed for you. And then he takes the bread, and as he passes it around to his disciples, he says to them, I want you to take this bread, and I want you to break it. And every time you feel the molecules, and every time you feel the bread just crushing beneath your teeth, I want you to think about how I was crushed for your sins. And so he sets this and he establishes this for year after year after year after year. And he says, do this in remembrance. You see, in an age whenever we're, we're oversaturated with information and where you can get on your phone and you can just scroll on Twitter. This happened today. They're at the mall. This is happening today. In moments whenever you can just sit on Instagram, you can sit on Facebook, and you're just oversaturated with information. And you can watch TV for hours on Netflix and scroll on the internet till your mind is just completely numb. We forget. We forget. And some of you in, the, in this room this morning, you've forgotten the words of Christ as he says, take this and do this in remembrance of me. This is the gospel message that you were never good enough and you will never be good enough. But not only that, we've believed the lies that sin will actually satisfy. We've believed those lies and we've forgotten. We don't remember the truth where God says that nothing will satisfy you outside of the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're believing lies. Our culture believes it. As Christians, we kind of flirt with it, forgetting what is true. Here's my challenge to you. If you need to write this down, please write this down. Will you take time every single day this week just to, to sit and reflect and remember what Jesus has done for you, who Jesus says that you are in your new identity in Christ, to sit and remember that there's no sin, there's no 30-second gratification that will satisfy you, and there's no relationship that's going to satisfy you. There's no dollar sign in your bank account that's going to satisfy you. There's no plaque on the wall that's going to satisfy you. But will you call yourself to remember these things? Will you call yourself to remember the scriptures where Jesus says that I will never leave you nor forsake you? Call yourself to remember that he has gone on before you to prepare a place for you. 
Maybe this morning that's exactly what you need to do. It's to sit and reflect like David would. And where he just says, bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. This morning we've set out the Lord's Supper, communion, however you refer to it as. And we've set out the juice, which is very representative of the blood that was shed for us on the cross. Where Jesus says in Luke 22, 17 through 19, and he took a cup and when he had given thanks He said, take this and divide amongst yourselves. For I tell you that from now on, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so the Lord's Supper is representative of the good news of Jesus Christ that once we were alienated from God, that's bad news. Like we were alienated from God because of our sinfulness, because of our nature, where we willfully rebelled against God in His good order and His good way. We said, not your way, I'd rather do it my own way. And God still pursued us, sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross, dying for us in a place that we should have died. And as a simple act of this, right before He went on the cross, He said, here's this meal, take and do and remember. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that this morning, but before we do, I just have a few things that I need to say. If your heart's not right, please do not take of this unworthily. Meaning that if you have sin, and maybe it's repetitive, maybe you know exactly what it is, we want you to confess that before you take. We want you to recall those things to your mind. If you need to find your accountability partner in this room and confess that to somebody, we invite you to do that too. It won't be weird and awkward unless you make it weird and awkward. And then once you've confessed that sin, we want you to come and take of the bread, take of the juice. If you don't have enough over here, maybe come over to this table. We think we've set out enough. And just take it back to your seat. Take of the elements. Husbands, grab your wife, grab your kids. Maybe you do it as a family. And then we're going to stand to sing, and we're going to stand to sing the Apostles' Creed where we just remember the truth. And so we invite you to do that. But another word, if you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we just want to give a word of caution to this. Because we don't want you to take of this cup and, and remember Jesus and remember this good news if it's not actually good news to your life. And so we would say if you don't have a relationship with Christ that we ask you not to take, that's not the decision that you need to make. The decision that you need to make is to follow Jesus. And so if that's you, I'm going to be in the back of the room. And if you'd like somebody to pray with you, maybe ask those questions. Maybe you're wrestling with the truth. Maybe something I've said today about truth being relative and all those things is just kind of in your mind and you'd like a deeper conversation. If that's you, I invite you to do that. But as the band is going to come forward this morning, I'm going to pray. And again, just so that I'm clear, I want to say, take time and pray. Take time and remember and take the elements back to your seat. Take of it whenever you're ready. We'll give you time, and then we'll stand to worship. You guys pray with me. Father, we pray this morning. And just with earnest hearts, with sincere hearts, Lord, would you search us? Would you find us? Lord, uh, you say several times, In Scripture, Lord, even as you're about to be 
put on the cross. Lord, you say sanctify your church in truth. Set us apart in truth. And then you say your word is truth. Lord, as we fight sin, one of the most central things that we can do is to know the truth. Whether that means knowing the scriptures or knowing Jesus Christ, the Son. Lord, I pray that we would know the truth. For the person here this morning who's wrestling with everything that's been said, Lord, speak to them. Give them confidence and boldness to to pursue you, maybe for the very first time today. For the believer here this morning wrestling with sin and believing lies, Lord, may they confess it. May they too have boldness to stand firm and to fight sin. Jesus, we give this time to you. In your name we pray.